And I think, well, I mean, technically she already registered us, but I don't know if she can, you can just show up and say you're part of I our mean, team. I mean, if I can't, it's fine. I probably shouldn't be spending money on booze anyway. I mean, it's at KGB, so mm. I don't know if you want to come. I just, I love creepy New York history. And that's Any fair. kind of New York history. Well, I'm like, the place where I'm dog sitting is off Buffalo Street, mm-hmm. which is right off Utica, so I literally will oh, have be... to go there and then go to KGB. Mm-hmm. So, okay. The fascinating insight of the ladies of MGB. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do with my life. Um, I mean, to be fair, yesterday I did have a photo shoot with a creepy old Russian guy that Betty chaperoned. Yeah. <laughs> did it end up being okay? No, yeah, it was fine. I don't was, think he, like, did anything super no. creepy. He's just, he's just like, an old dude. Yeah. and like, He wasn't super great at directing you or communicating no. what he wanted specifically. He was just trying to... There was a language barrier, and his accent wasn't great. And he also, like, just kind of... I mean, he wasn't being creepy creepy, but he was an erotic photographer. So, so it, was it just like, gave off a vibe. Yeah, and That's he was, fair. like, asking me to do certain things. And, like, he told me what underwear to wear, and I was just kind of like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was creepy. Well, I'm glad you had uh, Betty as your chaperone. Yeah. She is good at being a mom. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. I mean, I don't think I even did anything. I'm just glad that I was there to, like, provide a comforting presence. (laughs) If Uh, he actually tried anything, I would, like, leap in, like, a honey badger and just... I mean, Calabrina recommended him and said he did good photos, so... Well, then, then, then he... Yeah, then if she, if she recommended him, then... That's good, at least. And I got paid 120 smackers. Yay. Excellent. Yay. Um, we're recording, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> that um, I'm trying. I'm, I'm working these days on doing the more low-key, just ease into it approach instead mm-hmm. of cheesily introing it myself at the start of the show. Oh, I, I do that. Well, the, the cheesy intro still exists in the preamble that I record separately I to promote like my Patreon and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those who don't recognize these lovely voices, I am with the ladies of Magical Girl Burlesque, um, two-thirds of the core production team, including myself. Uh, what's fun about this episode is that I am technically a guest on my own podcast, as I am featuring hey. the hey. producers. Podcastception. My... Right? <laughs> so, uh, but... I've been wanting to bring on the producers of Magical Girl Burlesque for a while because they were last on two years ago this month actually. Oh my God, it was it was oh my two God. years ago. Yeah, it was it was right. It was it was six months after we'd started, just about. Um, and so at that time, of course, one of the producers was Paige Literati, who has now since retired from burlesque and from producing. Um, so I stepped up after that to start helping to produce shows. Um, some of my claims to fame from this past year were the Scrub Show, which was ridiculous, I and I'm so glad we did that and made it happen and <laughs> sold well. It did, it did I, okay. It, Shocking. Uh, it did okay. And then one of the communal brain children that I was at the, fr- the you know, up in the front ranks for, which was of course our Futurama show, which oh was a huge God. success, which yes. which of course is thanks to Tip Velvet who wrote the script for that, yes, as well yeah. as the incredible cast, but uh, those were some of the shows that I helped helm with, uh, of course, Betty Brash, and then Rana Sinclair. Um, we've all done some really cool stuff this past year, and we're over two years old, two and a half years. Uh, <laughs> we, have, we have entered the terrible twos. Well, yes. technically it's two and a half. Yeah, we'll be. So we're almost halfway through the terrible twos. So we're getting into toddler times. We are. Um, so I think I wanted to start by talking about kind of how 
everything's evolved in your eyes in the last year or so because a lot of changes have happened. I mean, we became regulars at Bazaar Bushwick. We became regulars at Branded Saloon and are now, as of this recording, saying goodbye to it this week. This will air right after that last show. Like, are there any standout moments this year that, that you've been thinking about that really kind of excite you about the future of Magical Girl, stuff that we've worked on together? I mean, so much of it. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously I'm still kind of riding the high of having hosted my first show on right, Friday. As of, right, as of when we're recording, you had just hosted the uh, the Naked and the Sublime, which is a title I am very uh, proud of coming up with. Yeah, for that good show. job. I don't that even know so how good. where it came from. It was literally, it needs to rhyme. It needs to rhyme with both words. And well, it, it was perfect. Yeah. It, it fit. It fit a So lot. for those who don't know, The Naked and Sublime was a tribute to The Wicked and the Divine, which is a graphic novel series that I only recently became a fan of and I'm now obsessed with. Because <laughs> I made you read it. <laughs> because well, of, we made you read it. Yeah. yeah. The both. <laughs> so I've been watching Raina do the Morgan act. Morgan is a character from that as well as a, uh, a, a god. god. <laughs> but, but your version is a tribute to that version of yes. her. Um, and so I'd known the act, but not the source material. And, you know, then when leading up to the show, uh, Betty shared her copies of the volumes with me, and I was able to read them, and I also became obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk about that a little bit. What was it like to host your first show? Did you enjoy doing it? I did, and I like I recognize that there are things that I can improve upon sure. in the future, but I'm pleasantly surprised with how it went like one of the one of the warm and fuzzy moments of after the show was when we were doing like a group photo with one of the fans who showed up and I was like oh not bad for my first time hosting he was like I refuse to believe that was your first time hosting you were so good and I was just like oh shucks that's awesome yeah that was really cool that so someone came to a theme show dressed as one of the characters which we had not yet happened we've done quite a few theme shows but most of the time no one shows up dressed as characters um, which is perfectly fine, but this was kind of cool to have someone cosplay at one of our shows since yeah. we we encourage that kind of ridiculousness. She won the of course, raffle. I'm so she happy. Won the raffle. Um, they were very happy you, about going. Did you find it was easier to host as a character since you played it most of the time as an Anke? Well, that's what I told myself when I was going into it when I first came up with the idea because originally I was going to come up with an act, but then I was like, you know, I'd rather leave room for someone else because I feel like there are so many fun characters and I imagine that, you know, people would kind of snatch up the characters that I wanted to do. (laughs) Right. Um, Like, I'm really happy that I got JJ to do, JJ Sparks, um, drag-lesque, drag performer, got to do Baphomet. But that was originally one of the characters that I was like, oh, I can maybe do something for that. And then ultimately I decided to to host as a Nanke and I was like yeah, maybe it'll be a good experience for my first time hosting to be a character so I don't have to be myself. And I went to all the trouble of writing all these meticulous speeches to introduce every performer. And, of course, like, a lot of it went out the window. And, like, I tried reading from the cards, but then I would still improvise and, like, my natural dumb self would come through. (laughs) Like, my personality would still come through. And I feel like it didn't detract from the show people seem to like that so that was cool i found as a host now that i've recently started making cards myself too that i don't necessarily always use them Mm -hmm. but there's a level of comfort in having them because you can fall back on them yeah um reyna i wanted to ask what was it like to perform that morgan act in a show devoted to the wicked divine like did it feel different in the lineup than it would if you were just doing it for a show where people didn't really know it um well i think 
it was less for me about the act and more about just getting to do the show because that was a show I wanted to do for a very long time mm-hmm. because I have been a fan of that comic book since it first came out in 2014. Way back when. Way back when and is now <laughs> about to be over next yep. year. So, um, yeah, and... I we had I think that we had a little bit of trouble casting it because not a lot of people well it's not that it's not an unpopular comic because a lot of people like do know that comic and are fans of it it's just that not a lot of burlesque people right <laughs> know that comic book yeah like it's not Spider-Man will you or Batman where you'll have like yeah. 10 jokers right. and then it's like Hey, who wants to do something for this kind of obscure indie comic that's yeah. based on God? So what we ended up doing, which was really smart, was Raina made a post just like bringing down the aesthetics, which yeah. actual musicians and pop stars, they're supposed to be kind of inspired by or emulating. And then we included pictures and we were like, hey, if you think that you can, you know, kind of do th- do this aesthetic, if you can rock Great. this aesthetic, beautiful, then email us. Well, I, I think a lot of people also just didn't know what we were asking at first, because right. we were like, we want to do a Wicked and Divine show, and so they just thought, oh, gods and goddesses, and we're like, no. Not quite. We're having a specific source it's material. It's a yeah. show. Um, and then Betty at Comic-Con actually talked to Kieran Gillian, who's the writer of the comic. He gave me his blessing. Yes. <laughs> and he has consistently promoted it leading up to the show, too, which is well, pretty yeah. cool. He and Jamie McKelvey are very, like, very good to their fans, very friendly, and they maintain conversations with us little people on Twitter. They gave us a lot of shout-outs. I also was just, like, nagging them a lot. That's true. Well, I make jokes that uh, Kieran Gillian kind of reminds me of the... Uh, hipster music obsessed boys I dated in high school <laughs> if he wasn't middle aged and British <laughs> um, because the uh, comic book he did before this phonogram is basically about uh, music hipsters that like turn music into magic and are all about like oh this indie record is better than this indie record <laughs> and like you're like you're a plebe if you like this artist oh, wow. and I'm like Amazing. it very much reminds me of like being in high school and college and being like cooler than thou because you like things that nobody else has heard of and like just acting like like I remember having a boyfriend who got so angry because uh, one of our friends said that she was too lazy to look for new music and that's what I think of when I think of like <laughs> Karen Gillian. <laughs> for better or worse take that as you will if you have any wow well, I think what was really cool about that show, too, is that, like, people who only had a little bit of time with the source material nailed the characters so well. Like, especially Ash Blight and J.J. Sparks, who, you know, read some of it, but mostly just did acts in the spirit of, and it really delivered really well. I think so. Um, I, you know, and, like, even uh, Lady Mabuhai, who is ta- Tara and just kittening and go-going, was still really great in that Fucking role. Tara. Fucking Tara. <laughs> And so, like, no, I was really happy and really yeah. like proud and impressed with everybody. I felt like they did a really good job, especially the people. Obviously, the people that know the source material. But I was just like, thank you for, you know, joining us on this journey of this thing you're not even really a fan of, right. and just like yeah. getting into it. 
Um, I think something that's been really cool of the last year that I've noticed too is all three of us have kind of found our legs in the things that we're doing. And mm -hmm. like, I, I wanted to ask you, Betty, because you got to fulfill your dream of being Betty Cooper this year. Oh my God. In, uh, in Metropolis Burlesque's uh, <laughs> Riverdale Vixen show, which featured Riverdale characters from the current TV show as well as comics past. Um... When you're doing an act like that, do you does it feel good to not have to worry about producing and just focus on the act and just perform? Are they different? Do you do you feel differently in a show you perform in while producing versus one that you don't? I mean, every act and every situation is different because I guess like there will be different sources of stress. I am sure. a very neurotic prone to anxiety kind of person so no matter what i'm always gonna be stressed to a certain degree when i'm coming up with a new act um i mean this i was really excited about this and it was nice the the main source of hardship when i was developing it was just like how do i put on a lace front wig how do i do a ponytail like it was purely technical as far as like the concept i had a very clear vision from the beginning and i was just so jazzed and honored to be a part of that show that I was just like I went into it gung-ho and this was like I started developing that act right after we did like right after we did the Futurama show uh -huh. so I went from developing one ambitious act to another ambitious <laughs> act and they were both like acts I cared about a lot they were both like characters I really wanted to do on a stage yeah I, I think it's really interesting to look at also how we've uh, tackled production you know a lot of it in the beginning was kind of very mishmash and mm -hmm. kind of just jumping in when we could whereas we've become kind of i feel like a little bit more of a well-oiled machine as far as as far as hand, handing <laughs> off when we feel like we can't take it anymore okay. like you uh, especially you Raina, you've been very vocal because you were working on grad school stuff and like and well, I'm done. And you Yay! are done. But when you were finishing up on that, you were very vocal about, like, I really don't have the spoons for this. Can someone else step in? And me and Betty were able to do that. Yeah. Um, and it's also kind of really cool now to see you, now that you're free of that, to kind of be doing more shows and kind of, like, you're doing, uh, as of when we're recording, you're doing White Elephant Burlesque this week. Yeah, I am. Um, and so, uh, what can I ask what act you're doing for that show? I'm doing my Florence and the Machine act. Nice. Is that the same one you did for our Florence show? Yes. Cool. Um, it is an act that I actually developed uh, when I was 21, 22. God, it's a baby. For APE, for our uh, Acocalypse Now show, <laughs> which I came up with that title, and I'm still fucking proud of it. Um, and the concept is essentially the idea of, like, a uh, dystopia, a dystopic world where there's no longer any electricity, and then this like girl finds like light for the first time ever, and, and they're on her boobs. Well, <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like very interpretive dance. Um, and originally, those lights were actually pop-up lights that I glued uh, to ribbon and like tried to tie on my boobs <laughs> and prayed to God that they stayed on. And I like to think that I have evolved a little bit, a little bit since, since then. then. Um, but yeah, so. And I think White Elephant Burlesque is a good venue and a good, like, place to do that act. Yeah. Because you like to jump into the audience and like wave your magic <laughs> sheet all around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've noticed actually now. Now that I've had more time seeing you perform consistently, that there is a lot of dance in your acts. Did you take any dance? 
Um, because Helena has your Helena act has dance in it. Your Morgan act, not really, but like, and then this Florence Machine act, like. Have you, are you someone who's taken dance or interested in dance or has it just kind of worked out that way? Well, that's kind of hilarious um, because, well, I did take like, uh, I took ballet and like modern dance and jazz until like fifth grade, uh-huh. uh, but I didn't really dance for a long time. And I think one of the reasons that I don't go-go is because I feel like I have no rhythm. <laughs> And then I'm a terrible dancer. There's a big difference between go-go dance style and then like interpretive dance, like well, modern dance. I mean, you're essentially That's doing ballet that in your is, Helena act. Well, because that was what I was taught when I was a kid. Was right. like a very like modern dance kind of emotional expression. And I think that uh, APE, like back in college, that was kind of our niche was doing like interpretive modern acts right that maybe did have a dance base but were not like traditionally traditionally sexy whatever the fuck that means (laughs) whatever the fuck that means uh but yeah i think that my style has already has always been on the more artsy side yeah uh, because that is where I come from. That is my wheelhouse. I mean, I get a sense of expression, expressionism from your acts. Not a lot of them are specifically on the nose. A lot of them are very interpretive and yeah. emotional. Um, you don't, besides like your Kim Pine act that you did for the Scott Pilgrim show, a lot of them are not like direct nerd references. A lot of them can be very open. Like your Morgan act, until I read Wicked and the Divine, was just an act that was a tribute to the Morgan, but not something that I really got a sense of reference to until I knew the material. Yeah. Whereas, like, for the Scott Poem show we did this year, the Kim Pine act was very clearly punk rock girl Kim Pine. Like, you had a drum set on stage. There's there's little not to get if you are a fan of Scott Pilgrim. Well, it was also really funny because uh, after I did that act, uh, our friend Mindy, uh, Mindy Rosencrantz, her boyfriend Rob, came up to me and he's like, you know... That entire show was believable, except I don't think Kim would ever strip. And I was like, that's the joke. That's the point. <laughs> that's the point. The point <laughs> is that Kim is angry and, like, deadpan and, like, yeah, to, to like, the whole point that she's stripping is because, like, Gideon calls her, like, dead inside and not sexy. Yeah, Schaefer's yeah. intro of that whole thing was great. It was I perfect. Loved, I loved your, but, but that was your idea to have him, like, be talking shit and you sneak up behind him. Yeah. Because like, if oh. anyone in that band he was going to be afraid of, it would be Kim. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that was fun also about this year is that we got to partner with other burlesque troops, which was fun. We partnered with Sin Factory to do the Scrub Show, and we partnered mm-hmm. with Rabbit Hole Productions to do the Scott Pilgrim Show. Um, even though there were some changes last minute to that one, um, which I think for me was a dream come true because me and Mary Sin have been cracking jokes about doing a scrub show for a long time since she came up with it as an April Fool's joke with the members of Epic Win Burlesque way back. Um, and like even Nelson Lugo, when we told him we were going to do it, he's like, Godspeed, that was a joke, but if you guys can make it happen. We're just like the challenge accepted. Because <laughs> like, yeah, the whole, the, the charity show that was a battleship show, that came out of Reyna oh, just yeah. hearing someone be like, oh, imagine doing a battleship Well, show. I didn't know, I didn't know, uh, apparently, uh, it was hardcore. I didn't know he was hardcore at the time, but, uh-huh. uh, he made a joke at an after party about how everybody does clue burlesque and like nobody does any other board games like Battleship. <laughs> and that 
that I was basically like challenge accepted motherfucker. <laughs> Which we're, we're going to do again come January 2019. So let's talk a little bit about that actually because I think it's really important that we've done this every year and that we are going to continue to do it. Not necessarily the Battleship show but that for every year for your birthday yes. either on your birthday or around your birthday you find it important to do a charity show that supports sex work or burlesque communities or just communities that need help yeah maybe not even related to sex work and burlesque um what was your inspiration to start doing that other than you know for the good of helping other people like um so well january is both my birthday month and also like my unofficial burlesque anniversary because Uh i don't actually remember the exact date (laughs) of my burlesque anniversary Uh, I just know that it was, like, right around my birthday or, like, right after my birthday. So uh, it's basically, well, one way it's to essentially celebrate the fact that I have survived another year on this earth. (laughs) Um, I'm going to be 27 in two months, and I see that as a big accomplishment as somebody who has been mentally ill her entire life. And who has uh, essentially survived suicidality since I was a wee bab. So, oh. like, that's that's a big deal for me. It's a milestone. Um, also, yeah, it's also going to be my eighth burlesque anniversary. Wow. So, um and so we're. Uh, my understanding is we're going to be doing the battleship show again. Yes, because that we still back. have we still have all the props. And so explain that a little bit to the listener what the what the battleship show entails, like how it works. Um. So. Because I think it's a really great concept. Well, to, so to answer your question about charity, I think that, um, yeah, I think that I my background a lot of it is social justice, and I went and got a degree in creative writing and activism. And so, like, I want to essentially, like, both, like, celebrate the fact that I'm alive and also celebrate, like, trying to give back in some way. Sure. Um, And so, yeah, so uh, the first year we did that, we did it for... um, It was, like, anti-street harassment. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, It was... I um, forget the name of the charity, though. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was an anti-street harassment charity, and then last year we... Uh, gave money to the Southern Poverty Law Center because they were specifically fighting um, all the white supremacy going on in the South and dealing with the KKK, and I wanted to help that. And then this year I wanted to help sex workers because uh, a lot of those people are our friends, and technically we are also sex work adjacent. And Boston Sesta has been real this year. Mm. Um, So, yeah, so I wanted to help out my friends and help out people that need it most because I think the part of the charity show is to help out the people that need it most. Sure. Because, like, we live in times where shit is going down. Yeah. In a Um, fire. In a fire, in a in a fire. So to celebrate the fact that I have survived another year and to celebrate giving back to our communities, we do a charity show. And um, essentially the battleship show is exactly like a game of battleship yep. where we choose uh, 10 performers and they're each assigned a ship on a board. Um, and then the show is free and people come up and essentially give a dollar for to call out a number. 
And if they get enough numbers right and sink a ship, then that performer performs. So there's no set list. There's no set list. It's literally you have a jumble of music and you go, this performer is performing, press that button. (laughs) Yes. Um, Um, But it's like fun chaos. Of course, sure. It was a lot of fun last year. I'm very very silly. Well, and I think like all the people that uh, performed last year were our friends that both seem to like me. Yes. Seem to like me and they also do. seemed to believe in what we were giving money for. Yeah. And so they generously donated their time. Yeah. And I'm hoping that people do it again this year. I think they will. I think so, too. <laughs> I think the funny thing is, like, like looking at the list of performers, I can't remember everybody who performed, but I remember that uh, Kita and Anya were both on that list. Yeah. And, like, those are two people who don't shy away from doing really stupid things. Uh, in burlesque, so fucking fucking Kita gave it her all. Yeah, <laughs> like she she whipped her ponytail and like <laughs> her fucking her fucking top fell off and she didn't even give a fuck. She just kept it going. That's a true professional. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it was really fun. Um, I was very fucking depressed that my act did not go as planned and was like about to like cry on stage and then Phil saved me. Yeah, and then <laughs> Anya did the honor of pouring the rest of the champagne that on That was you. pretty good to watch. Oh, I was sweet. so devastated. Yeah, but it was cute and like... I was so fucking devastated. Yeah. I mean, but also I'm like, I'm a perf- well, I'm not as much of a perfectionist about my acts anymore, but like the whole point of that act was I was supposed to like pour champagne on myself and the bottle wouldn't open because it was a plastic cork and not a regular cork (laughs) and so like whoops like literally the thing would not open at all and so like i was just in front of like 50 60 people on a stage and my song ends and i'm like well this would happen to me On my birthday. It was charming, though. It ended up being really cute, and we all, like, sang happy birthday to you. That was, like, even though, like, shit often does not work out exactly as you intended. I mean, I will probably, and this is to no fault of Tip Velvet, I will probably never do a scripted show ever again. Or at least not host one. I'll do one and have, like, a walk-on bit, but, like, I butchered so many of my lines in the Futurama show. such a stress. And like, I, like, and and the show was great, and everyone had a good time, and it was a lot of fun to do. But I just, I couldn't get my shit together to memorize all those lines, and you know, you ended up making for a lot of very funny moments, and everyone had a good time. But I yeah. think next time we do a scripted show, I will let one of the actors host. I could probably, I mean, we could switch it up so Leela hosts next time. Yeah, that's I'm good true. At memorizing lines. That is true. You are. I'm pretty good at that. Um, well, Leela is actually an act that you'd wanted to put together longer than we wanted to do Futurama show i feel like that act existed and when you kept talking about wanting to do it that kind of gave tip the idea like well i could write a script for a show it's funny it's like way back when like i had the idea to do a leela act forever because i also had a very casual leela cosplay that i did back in like 2015 or something and um yeah and then like once we started getting more serious about mgb i it's Oh my god, please. Raina, smell, Raina spilled water and it's she's like fine. trying to wipe it up. Oh it's fine. God. It's more distracting than you just leaving it. <laughs> but back when we first started getting more serious and like talking about our potential and our future and like projects we wanted to do, I was like, you know what would be cool if we did a scripted show one day? Yeah. But I had wanted I had wanted to do like an original like sci-fi. Like I didn't even think we were going to do like a, 
attribute to anything. I just kind of wanted to throw together a bunch of silly, vaguely sci-fi themed acts. Right. Well, that I thought would you be both fun. have vaguely sci-fi themed acts. Yeah. Raina does a Martian act. Yeah. A punk rock Martian act. Although, yeah. I mean, to be fair, all of your acts are punk rock. Basically. <laughs> to some degree. Ex- uh... No. Oh, do you have anything that's? I, I mean, I, guess. I have a Florence and the Machine. Yeah, act. The Florence, Florence and the Machine Act is yeah, not but punk you, rock. But you wear Doc Martens, which makes it punk rock. Because, <laughs> well, like, I originally did that act barefoot, and then I was like, it's probably a bad idea to run around barefoot in Brazar because you don't know where that floor has fucking been. Where the floor has been? <laughs> As if someone picked it up and took it somewhere. And I had recently bought myself silver Doc Martens, and so I was Legit. like, this this works it out. It works. It, it fits works. your aesthetic. So, it fit my aesthetic. I actually wanted to ask, talking about looking forward to next year, so we can officially announce here on the podcast that we have plans, though the dates are not set in stone, for the first three months of uh, 2019 at Bazaar, we're doing your charity show in January, yes. we're doing a Panic in the Disco themed show in February. Because I'm emo trash. And yeah. I am also emo <laughs> trash. So they're not really emo anymore, they're more like pop music anyway we can um where i may debut my first lip sync act i'm still working on that um and then uh in march we are doing a video game theme show which i need to come up with a catchy name for um nothing has been set in stone but i do know that dick move has a um uh waluigi act that i plan to get on that stage (laughs) come hell or high water you heard it here first dick move oh my god um but uh, I wanted to ask, is there anything that you're looking forward to trying next year that maybe you haven't done yet? Like, for me, I am excited to try actually performing on stage. I may not strip, but I'm definitely going to try and choreograph a lip sync because I've been watching a lot of drag lesk and watching a lot of drag performers do lip sync, and I really like it, mm-hmm. and I think I can do it, and so I want to try it. Um, but are there any things that you're looking forward to trying next year that maybe you haven't done yet, either making a new act or hosting more? I have or... like a whole laundry list of acts I want to do, and I'm trying to figure out what to do in what order right now. <laughs> trying to figure out like what should I do now that I'm fun employed and have limited funds to play with. That's should fair. I do something more simple, or should I do a thing that I've been wanting to do forever? So that's kind of trying to prioritize what what I'm gonna work on next. Well. I think that you do need to learn how to keep it simple, stupid. I know. Oh, my God, I know. I mean, I, I don't think you're the only blessed performer I've met, though, who goes, I'm just going to do this simple thing, and then, like, eight tasks later, you have a laundry list of stuff you're working on. But, yeah, no, I mean, a lot, That's that's been a big source of frustration for me because it's like, I'll get hit with this divine inspiration. I'm like, this is going to be so stupid and brilliant, I have to do it, and then... Once I actually do it and I start, like, schlepping all the props and costumes <laughs> and the heavy boots or whatever, yeah. all the shit to the venue, I'm just like, why did I decide to make this so complicated? <laughs> no why props. are there so many, like, No even- props. <laughs> okay, In my Edna have- mode. No props. No props. <laughs> no props. I like props, but I feel like if I need to have, like, a duffel bag and a book bag and multiple, like, bags that I'm carrying in my arms, that's probably a bit too much. So yeah. that's what I'm, like, I need to downsize it a little bit and just kind of refocus on basics yeah that's fair um and then like i know that we've we've offline joked around talking about certain themes that we want to try and do next year later in the year like i'd thrown out that i'd really love to do an animation themed show Mm -hmm. where it's all on animation across the years not just necessarily 90s cartoons which has been done quite a few times at this point yes um but kind of like which was why i asked you when you said saturday morning cartoons i was like 
You're talking to <laughs> a, a man who's over 35 who remembers Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, so I just think I do too, fun. but like I do too. But like when I think Saturday morning cartoons, I specifically think like the 90s and yeah. like early mid 2000s. And Which, so I was like, I feel like everybody's done a 90s show. Which is why if, if I was going to do, if we do an animation show, I'd want to do something more leaning towards just all forms of animation. Technically, we already did a 90s show. We did do a 90s show, although we hosted as non-90s characters. That's fair. Um, um, we did do a show uh, called Childhood Redacted, where yes. Raina and I hosted as Dipper and Mabel Pines, which yes. was a lot of fun. And I think, like, the second time or third time I had hosted like I hadn't hosted a lot at that point which mm-hmm. but it was a lot of fun it was actually a lot of fun to have a co-host on stage with me because I could defer to you or you would just take over when you I was tongue tied. You guys were adorable. Your banter was cute, and there's, there's pictures to prove it. That's true. Like me being shake... assaulted with a pig. Yeah, like that's <laughs> what I keep thinking of is you uh-huh. just like shaking waddles at him, like the pig knows the truth. <laughs> um, but I think I'd like to do more of that in in the near future. Uh, doing you know group hosting or hosting. Uh, you know, uh, duo hosting, at least. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. I also had this really dumb idea for, like, an air band act where, like, we all play air instruments. Oh, my God. Because we can't play real instruments. Well, I want to do... I mean, I just saw Suspiria, and I really want to choreograph a group dance number based on the the big recital at the end of the movie. But for that, I would need to make Reyna and other people watch Suspiria. Also, you have to convince people... To, like, to make, dance. To, to dance, dance and be choreographed and I don't to, like, think that I mean it, it would be ambitious, but I don't think like I've seen a lot of other people. You'd come also up with have group to numbers. pay all those people. It's true. <laughs> um but I, I what I do like about this year and looking forward to next year also is that we've been able to kind of fulfill a lot of the dreams that we've wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like I've always wanted to incorpor- incorporate more live performance besides burlesque into into structured burlesque shows like live music, like I'm hosting a December show in December of this year where we're going to have uh, Automate This, which is Robert and uh, Sarah Storm play live at the beginning and intermission at the, and the curtain call, which is going to be a lot of fun. We had Schaefer do live rap for the Scott Pilgrim show. Like, uh, you know, and also Robert played as uh, Stephen Stills live there too. And I think that being able to incorporate things like that was really fun for me and I'm looking forward to next year maybe doing more of that yeah I don't know how but like I like that we've taken our ideas for shows and kind of turned them on their head a bit I mean this battleship show is unlike anything that's ever really been done and I think that's pretty neat it's so ridiculous it is but also same with the the Wicked and Divine show like it I don't know anyone else who's done a Wicked and Divine show that I can think of I know that um Renaissance Noir who was Persephone in our show was talking about doing a Wicked and Divine show in Philly and she right. like while she was staying with me and we were naturally shooting the shit she was talking a lot about like oh we could join forces and do like the full pantheon I'm like that would be awesome I'd, but, I'd be but we would need to have like proper sponsors for that because that yeah. shit would be expensive yes and also have, like, I would need 12, a better helmet yeah well I thought <laughs> considering you. you pulled that I, at the last minute. I got a lot of uh, compliments on my closet cosplay version of Woden. Yeah. Which I'll take. Ah, um, Woden. Oh, Woden. Everyone's favorite trash bag. I've gotten further in the comics now, so I'm like, wow, it really is he terrible. Really I is love him. terrible. So bad. Well, the worst. The other thing that I find really funny is because uh, Woden has his own remix uh, 
remix issue where yeah. they like have different parts of Wicked and Divine and remix it into one issue what? along with um, uh, from this comic called Sex Criminals, which is also I from Image. Yep. And they do because they're uh, because Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky are friends with Kieran Gillian and Jamie McKelvey. They did like a small parody like crossover crossover where like they they're people playing lucifer and amaterasu in a porn <laughs> oh my God. and they and then they took that scene and actually put it in the remix can you send me that because that That's sounds great. ridiculous i um, didn't even know about well we were talking about toying with the idea of partnering with uh, a metropolis to do an image comic show or something yeah. yeah and if we do that i know that um uh, Shape of the Dark Lord and Bunny Buxom have a sex criminals couples cosplay. Ah! Yeah. It's so cool. I really love sex criminals and yeah. I try to convince people to read it even though the plot is literally a couple that can stop time when they orgasm decides to rob banks. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> right there I, in the title. I read the trade and I love it. Um, um, but yeah, no, I think that... Um, there's a lot of really cool things that we can do next year, I think, successfully having done a year of shows, two to three shows a month, consistently, and yeah, now shifting back to one show a month, and probably in 2019. One to two shows a month. One to two shows a month will allow us to refocus a bit and kind of take on even more ambitious stuff. I yeah. think that... Um, well, Johnny Caligula has been very thirsty to do a Sailor Moon That's, show forever, yeah. and so he's been well, and talking I pa- to me about that. And I want to partner with Sin Factory again anyway, because I had such a blast doing the Scrub show. So <laughs> I think I think if we can partner with... like That's not something you really see a lot of, and so I think if we can partner with one, or, one to two other burlesque producers a month I think that'd be a lot of fun like the only other people I know who do it is like uh, White Elephant and Beef Show have partnered quite yeah. a few times yeah. um, you know but I, you don't see it much beyond that well I think that I mean the the like thing is that people always go back and forth on is whether or not burlesque is a community and I'm one of those people that falls on the community side Same. where it's like you want you want to collaborate with your fellow artists and yeah. you want to support each other and you like want to give each other ideas and like you want to help out. Yeah, so. and so I think it's been fun to kind of be able to do that while other shows aren't necessarily always doing it for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's it's valid if you don't want to. I think it's been fun to say that we've been able to and it's why I hope in 2019 we do partner again with Sin Factory and Rabbit Hole mm-hmm. and we partner for the first time with Metropolis because I work with them a lot. I just, I think it's a, it's a lot of fun because then you can also see how other people work yeah in the same space yeah. because like while i for the most part took for the most part took lead on the scrub show you know sarah tops and and uh, mary sin did help with some of the production stuff and like last minute wrangling and things like that and it's just sarah was really helpful i feel like she's a very good like no nonsense like... she really is i mean sarah tops also is a stage manager in life as yeah. well as in in burlesque and so that's kind of been really great and it was great to have her backing us mm-hmm. on that and keeping it. And it, she also actually helped inspire me and I think us to look at production a little differently as far yeah. as pricing things out and doing getting a better idea of costs instead of just going into shows, and which has been really helpful yeah. for all of us. Um, I think that uh, for me personally, I'm really excited to try and perform more. Mm-hmm. Mostly also because I want to be able to fill a role in the show. Like, you know, I don't want to just be 
I I love being paid for my work and I love hosting. But, you know, a lot of hosts perform mm-hmm. and I'm one that doesn't. And, you know, Schaefer doesn't strip all the time, but Schaefer raps. And yeah. so, like, he's still performing in the show and filling a slot. And so if I can get comfortable lip syncing on stage, even if I'm not necessarily stripping right away, it'll allow me to do something for the show and fill a slot other than just being the host. Yeah, it's. I feel like the show has kind of... Not the show. I mean, all of our shows in general. The, the the nature of the beast has kind of forced us to all become kind of jack of all trades uh-huh. in a way. Like I I've been doing video from the beginning, but then like I also started helping out with DJing, and then obviously my first time hosting. Yeah. And Raina's also like she's had to DJ on occasion, and yeah, we kind of. I think also though none of a none of the three of us at least take ourselves so seriously that we feel like we can't do other things. Like yeah, we've all God, done no. we've all done door f- for each other's shows. We've all done either kittening or hosting or DJing. Like yeah. at this point, we all know what we're good at and what we're okay at and what we can kind of fill a role in, which I think is really important. And it's also made me more comfortable reaching out to other producers. Like we all three of us are in the process of possibly being nominated for Silver Tusk Awards, <laughs> which is really cool. I've been campaigning. Why are Whatever. you making Why are you making pterodactyl noises? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'm actually going to win a nomination. I mean, so also we'll remember see. this it's is an honor to be nominated. And also, it's a bo- we'll like Victor would be the first to say it's a bogus award show. Like, it's a gag <laughs> award show yeah. making fun of awards. Um, but I'll, I'll make you a custom award. I'll make wow. you a ribbon. <laughs> She'll give you a participation trophy. Oh, God. The best Big Red Child Award. (laughs) The Clifford Award. (laughs) The Clifford Award. I like that. That's good. You should send that to Victor for next year. (laughs) Um, But, like, it's been really cool to be able to, for me personally, to do the door for other shows, to DJ for other shows, to, you know, perform and host in other shows. Like, now the only other show I host consistently besides MGB, is White Elephant. It's yeah. why I'm up for a Silver Tusk. I hosted twice this year. Twice? Three times? And then I've done The Door several times and DJed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think also, like, we're also very eager on the community boards to help and to, to, to volunteer or join other other people as well and work with other shows. Like, yeah. there, there are a few shows I'll say no to. There are some, for whatever reason, either I don't get along with the producer or I don't like whoever, you know, um, I'll say on air, Joe Shark can go fuck himself and if you like him, too bad. Um, wow. But, uh, nice, nice. Yeah, uh, but that said, beyond <laughs> him, there are other producers that I just don't get on with and that's fine. Like, you know, him withstanding, like, I don't have to hate someone to not want to work with them, and mm-hmm. that's perfectly reasonable. Everybody doesn't have to work with everybody else. Yeah. Well, I think also our our philosophy is very DIY and very, like, if you want to make it happen, then just go follow your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's how that this doesn't always, Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that doesn't always mesh with other people because they want burlesque to be super serious. Which is fine. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're creating art and you want to create a certain way and catering to a certain crowd, then do that. But that's not what we want to do. We've always been sex positive, body positive, you know, all of that stuff. And and I've come – I've also – through through this company and through uh, White Elephant and a few others, I've come to know myself better and understand – my own sexuality better, my personality better, you know, and kind of feel more like myself through all of this. Mm-hmm. I think we've all grown closer as friends, too, because Absolutely. of it, which mm-hmm. certain people can't do. There are tons of production teams that break apart because they can't handle being friends and producers, and that's perfectly reasonable, and we fight like anybody else. But mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, 
we understand how the others work mm -hmm. and it's allowed us to curate a strong relationship to continue to move magical girl f forward yeah and i feel like what's nice is that we're all pretty like empathetic good yeah. beings where like <laughs> if someone is obviously under a lot of pressure or like you know if i'm behind on making graphics or something yeah or like you know like we're pretty we're pretty understanding. We're pretty and, supportive. Yeah. And, like, if one of us is freaking out or being a bit of a dick, the other will kind of be like, whoa, relax. It's Slow okay. Slow roll. Yeah. Which <laughs> has been fun. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, things that you may want to try and do outside of uh, Magical Girl next year. Are there any things outside of Reven Burlesque that you want to try or things you want to work into your burlesque that you haven't done yet that you want to try? Um, I would like to get booked more. <laughs> I think we Fair. all want to get I mean, booked real, more. Real. I think that, um, I think, uh, I get booked a lot, but you know. <laughs> oh, I mean, but like, me. Mr. Big Time over here. I mean, but like, no, you I know get what you mean. booked for like DJ and hosting gigs. I'd like to like get my acts booked yeah, of course, other, sure. other places, uh, because I need the money and also like, real talk. I like, want to feel like more cemented in my place in the burlesque community because I feel like I'm finally starting to hit my stride where I actually feel like I can call myself a burlesker and I'm yeah. not a fraud or yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole imposter syndrome doesn't necessarily go away the voice just gets a little quieter well, I mean, <laughs> I feel like like I spent I, I have a very different beginning than a lot of other people sure. so like I'm going into eight years and then other people who have had like half of my time have like kind of had a more, yeah. I don't want to say meteoric rise, but they've like become more established a lot quicker. Yeah. And so I kind of feel like this weird ass stepchild that like technically has the experience, I mean, but like also kind of feels like nobody knows me and I'm just... A nobody. <laughs> I mean, you're definitely not a nobody. I think part of it also is like, there's always going to be performers, and I'm going to name check him because, like, he was on this podcast, and I couldn't believe how short he'd been performing, but Rudy Valentino has not been performing long, and no. yet he's known everywhere. I think he went to Iceland this year or some nonsense. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> so, like, uh, Betty snapping for you, Broody. But, like, so there's always going to be performers like that who kind of seem like they come out of nowhere. Now, yeah. that said, Broody's been working in theater and puppetry and other stuff for yeah. ages. And so it's not like he hasn't been paying and his dues. And that goes for a lot of other I performers like... as well, that they have, like, a background yeah. in other stuff, so they're able to incorporate that into their burlesque, which helps. I mean, you're the only college-educated burlesque performer I, I am. Know. I got state-funded money to take <laughs> my clothes off. Take that, uh, government. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, also, like, I don't know. I feel like I came into this scene with, like, having to deal with the attitude of, like, oh, well, you're nobody unless you've performed in the city yeah. or, like, in other major cities. And so, like, I kind of had to, like, hit the ground running and prove myself, which is why I started, like, doing shows in people's kitchens and basements and, like... Possible Lounge Forever! <laughs> but we're now doing shows in venues and yeah. we're performing alongside other shows that have been established for a while and performances have been yeah. established for a while, which I think is pretty neat. I'm just going to repeat to you what you told me probably last week when I was having the same kind of episode of like, well, why don't I get booked more and yeah, I work so hard? 
you know, it's just about the hustle. Yeah, it, is. it really is. It's frustrating, and like I feel the same way. I'm always like, well, I'm also... always be- battling my own imposter syndrome, and it's just a matter of mm-hmm. like just bothering. Well, me. and also the reality for that too is like I get booked a lot to DJ, but I don't get booked a lot to host. I host for uh, for White Elephant because I essentially asked somebody to throw me a burlesque anniversary <laughs> party, and and Victor was like, "Fine, but you have to perform," and I chickened out and only hosted. Wow. Um, but shame. Gosh, I know. Shame. 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 Ring that bell. Shame. Um, but I'm hoping to rectify that in February and performing for that show. But like. Yeah, it, it really is the hustle. And it's yeah. also who you know and the fact that... And also every what you re- have to put on the table. Right. Because, like, I, re- I recognize that I have a niche. And yeah. that's not everybody's cup of tea. You have a niche. And, and also, you, like, the three of us, for the most part, have a privilege that others don't. Like, yeah. you know, we are fairly well represented on other stages. And yeah, so... Yeah. If I have to be booked less, so other people of less representation can get booked, of course. That's yeah. that's real. Um, but the, and I think what's been great about us also is like we don't feel like the three of us always have to be in every show. Yeah, we we all try to be involved in every show if we can be, unless we're busy or booked for something else. I have never missed an you, MGB you, show. Yeah, you're the only one who's never missed an MGB show. But like, <laughs> you, you win that Clifford Award. You, you win that ribbon. Well, I figure I'm the captain of the ship, and I have to go down with it. <laughs> So if you're the captain, does that make me, what does that make me? I'm the cabin boy. I was going to say, you're the cabin boy. I guess. Am I the first mate? I guess you are the I first mate. Do I have mate. to sit this... funny on the chair like Riker? I feel, no. I, I, all, all, all I'm understanding now is that we need to do a pirate theme. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. No. What was that rhyme you once told me? You're a pirate. <laughs> oh, be like a pirate of pirates for you. You are a pirate. That's, it's, so it's a, um, it's from that, uh, Icelandic kid show called Lazy Town. Oh, yes. That was, like, super big in the, in the mid-2000s, and there was a meme based off of it where, like, somebody literally just drew a chibi pirate waving his arms back and forth and then put LOL LimeWire over it. (laughs) And so then they literally just made, like, an animation of the pirate waving his hands back and forth, and it just went over and over in a loop, be like a pirate, a pirate is free, you are a pirate, while saying LOL LimeWire. (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) Internet piracy. Which was actually a meme that Betty did not know that I remembered from, like, 2006, 2007. I have kind of wanted to do a Robbie Rotten act, mostly because I love the actor who played Robbie Rotten, mm-hmm. and I think I mean, that those songs maybe one are great. day we still we will do a meme show. We we'll should get around. To I feel being like we should do a meme trash. show. We're all meme queens at this point. Yeah, we're Be like a pirate. A pirate is free. You are a pirate. She's doing the dance. People. <laughs> you can't see it, but she's doing the dance. It was great. Um, a cheesy question that I often ask, and before we wrap up, I think it'd be fun for me to actually answer my own question, but for you guys to answer as well. If there were advice that you could offer to newbie burlesquers or just newbie producers, performers that you maybe didn't even know a few years ago that you've learned now, what would that advice be that you might give to them if they're listening? Spreadsheets. (laughs) (laughs) Embrace the spreadsheet. Love the spreadsheet. (laughs) Become one with the spreadsheet. Wow. I mean, that's legit. (laughs) Just be organized. Um, I guess the advice that I would give is to not be afraid and um, to not listen to the haters. Yeah. But uh, also, sometimes the haters are telling you to not be a douche. Don't. That's fair. Okay. Don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Amend them. <laughs> if somebody is calling you out on your privilege and on, like, your bigotry, that is real, and you should listen to them. Don't do blackface. <laughs> yeah. 
But if somebody's being like, because I feel like I had to deal with a lot of like, oh, well, like you don't know anybody and you're a nobody. So you like, I'm not going to book you or I don't know who you are. And like, you should just go out and do your own thing. And that's what I fucking did. So like, don't be afraid to, yeah, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and like try and like do your own thing and like make it work yes make it work work. thanks tim gunn um Um, because yeah like again my first uh, my first show in new york that i produced was in a kitchen in bushwick and we fit like 30 people in somebody's like kitchen living room. There you go. I'm looking like, forward to the the biopic on that. I'm looking okay. forward oh to God. seeing that that scene. Well, that's a good follow up question. Who would play you in the biopic? Oh. Well, Claire Danes would play her, obviously. Oh yeah, and over. I would be Alana Glazer because come on. <laughs> there you go. And Zach Braff would play me. <laughs> um, uh, well, I think I also. Have <laughs> I think also it's important to remember that like people like. The world isn't as bad as it seems. There are people who will support you and who like you. And, like, something that I've been thankful for with MGB is that you guys, since the first show that I was a part of, encouraged me to do things I was afraid to do and continue to do that. And I think that uh, Raina's really right. Like, you should embrace the fear and move through it. I think that it's okay to be afraid as long as it doesn't stop you. Mm -hmm. Fear is good, but you should also try and do different things. And you won't know if you don't like it until you try it. Like, it's really true. And, like... I was afraid to perform and strip on stage, but I feel braver about doing a lip sync, and so I'm confident about that. I think that if I think that we're all capable of things beyond what we expect we can do. Yeah. And I think it's good to lean into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, like again, I'm I'm going on eight years, and this is like probably the first time that I don't feel like nervous or like I'm not doing it correctly or like I don't yeah. belong. Like I like. It, t- it may take a while, but then, like, when you hit your stride, like, you're really, like, proud of all the work that you put in. And you can, like, uh, uh, for us especially, we can look back on work we've actually done. Like, we yeah. have, like, first of all, a quick shout out to Betty Brash and all the incredible graphics she does for the show. Like, so many of them have come out so great. Like, uh, I got so many compliments on the uh, Naked and the Sublime stuff that you made and the graphic design you did for that. But, like... Uh, it makes me feel really good that even if we're still doing show, end up doing shows in a basement or we're doing shows at venues that we, you know, hold less people, we're creating art that we're proud of. And I still feel like I, like I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. I think I'm really proud of the work that I get to do with you guys. And I've been working in the burlesque scene for a while, but, and I've loved everyone that I've worked with past and present, but I think MGB is some of the stuff I'm most proud of because yeah. I'm really, it's, it's me. <laughs> Yeah, I feel even like... if it feels like I'm working with siblings all the wow. time. Wow! But I feel like that's why we have a good a good rapport and we have like a good team dynamic. We do. We don't take ourselves seriously. No, God, no. <laughs> who, who has time for that? I mean, really? I do right now. I have that's all the true. time in the world. <laughs> oh, what is oh my time? God? Time is a um, flat circle. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Raina and Betty, for joining me for this magical burlesque special that we will be presenting. Woo! Um, I will ask you the favor of doing my sign off if you would uh in fact we can all say it together Aww. uh do you guys remember it Shall i, I do remember it all right then we'll do it on the count of three. One, two, three. music, music is, is life and life is, is good, good.
Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of We Burlesque, the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit weburlesque.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good. <laughs>